How do I talk to my kids about sex? What's up, you guys? Welcome to the Therapy Brothers Podcast. I'm Brandon. I'm Tyler. We're brothers. We're therapists. We're not afraid of your questions. So bring it. That's an age-old question, but uh, before we do that, let me uh, read a review here. So it says, expert information, so much content. They bring in additional people to answer the hard questions. They don't always say what you want to hear, but they do say what you need to hear. 100% recommended. So thank you for that review. And uh, yeah, well, we, we like to pride ourselves on shooting straight with you. So um, we'll be honest with you, even if it's hard. So. Yeah, thanks for the review. We, we really appreciate reviews. You're, that's the way that we're able to reach other people and hopefully help other people as well. So um, we really appreciate your participation here. Uh, we've got an awesome guest on today who's been willing to come on and share some questions. Uh, Dan is with us and Dan's got a couple of questions. Really glad to have you here, Dan. Thank you. I appreciate it, Tyler and Brandon, letting me be on and uh, just have a conversation about the things that are on my mind. Appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, well, Dan, why don't you uh, give us just a kind of a little, a little bit of whatever background you feel is necessary, and then let's just jump right into your first question. Sure. Um, so I am a recovered addict myself. I was, uh, Tyler was one of my, or was my therapist nearly seven years ago. Um, I've been struggling with uh, pornography addiction since I was 11. And um, in my 20s, I um, got uh, sought therapeutic help. Um, I went through a program with Tyler. I was in uh, therapy for several years and uh, just utterly changed my life. Was able to um, overcome the addiction um, and uh, become sober and it's obviously a daily battle with you know it's not like it's a one and done and I'm good to go the rest of my life you know it's a daily battle for my heart and for my family um, but it just got me in the right spot so I could fight that daily battle and, um, and so since then I have uh, been a part of I've been able to come up to some groups of Tyler's and share my story um, and try to help others. And today I'm seeking, you know, I've got three kids um, and a wife and my, my kids this age are, I have three girls at eight, six and two. Um, well, you're, you're in the thick of it, Dan. Yeah. Battle yep. years. <laughs> yep. So the things that are on my mind is, are how do I help my kids have a better or a healthier sexuality than what I had growing up? And how do I talk about that and have it not just be a secret as it was in my home um, and then what are some more ways that I can give back to the community as a you know someone who's been through therapy and and helping others who are in recovery themselves awesome uh, great questions so, these are great questions Dan go ahead Brandon yeah. well Tyler I, I kind of want to lob something over to you and just say you know I I do a lot of intakes so I I meet with people and hear their story and um, I, I hear every, every, everybody's story is a little unique, but um, oftentimes there's kind of a, a kind of a general story that I hear that's very similar. There's some similarities. And one of the similarities that I hear 
is um, when, when I meet with somebody who's struggling with a sex addiction, I ask them, well, what did your mom and dad tell you about sex? Like, were you able to talk to them about your struggles? And what did they teach you about sex? And Tyler, what do you think the answer I get when I, when I ask them that? What, what answer do your clients give you? Oh, yeah. When, when I ask them, like, what did your parents teach you about sex? That it wasn't really talked about. Yeah, almost every single time. Well, you know, we had this one awkward talk. Um, or, or usually they just kind of grimace and they're like, yeah, no, my, my dad, my mom didn't go there. Yeah, yeah it was just awkward. Um, so that, I mean, I think that's kind of the, the, uh, the generation above us. Um, in some ways were trained to, well, not, not, they weren't really trained to do anything right when it comes to talking <laughs> about sex with their kids, you know? So, so we have some patterns to break and um, there's a lot of, I, I have a lot of, of answers to that question, Dan, um, what you can right. do to, to help your kids be healthy when it comes to sex. Um, Tyler, do you want to, do you want to start? Do you have any answers? Yeah, I actually, I want to follow up with the question with Dan, that same question, Dan, like what was, how, how did you learn? as you were being raised? Um, well, once I started to uh, ask some questions and I started to search some things on the internet, my dad, one of my brothers told my dad um, that I needed to have the talk. And so he, I, I vividly remember it. My sister had a TV in her room. So he takes me to my little sister's room and we watched this scientific video um, about how reproduction occurs between man and woman. And I, I remember it being incredibly awkward um, and walking out of that room and still not having any idea exactly of what sex was or how it worked and why. And so from there on, the way that I got all of my education was through pornography. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Was it a secret too, Dan? Did you, have, did you have to keep it secret from your parents? The pornography? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, Tyler, yeah. um, Dan froze on us. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he'll be back. Yeah. As, as he's talking, um, it's like, what message did his parents um, send to him or his dad send to him with the way that went down, you know, so, so he's looking at some things online, you know, brother finds out, tells him, um, tells the dad, hey, you need to have the talk. The dad has this awkward video talk thing. Overall, what's the message there that, that like a little kid like that, an adolescent um, hears? Yeah, I think there's a couple of messages that an adolescent hears in that. The first one is, that this is, this is awkward. We don't talk about this stuff. Like, let's just hurry and rush through this because nobody really wants to actually talk about it. And so there's that feeling of, at the very minimum, that it's a taboo feeling. And at a maximum, that it maybe is something that is not good, like that it's bad or that it's dirty or that, you know, if I'm having these questions, then maybe there's something wrong with me. I mean, those are the things that you hear that kids often walk away with when they have an experience like that. Yeah. So, so Dan, I want to ask you, 
here you are, obviously a curious kid. You were looking some stuff up online. Um, and then dad shows you this awkward video about reproduction. Um, did it send that message to you of like, sex is this kind of awkward, taboo, weird thing um, that you don't do until you're married? And let's just keep it at that. Is that, is that kind of how you felt? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, sorry for the video issues, but yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. I would also say, um, I mean, it, it was taught to me as a very sacred and spiritual thing. And so it became like, a, 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 you know, sin or not sin and, and any thoughts or um, expression of sexuality um, before being married was unrighteous. Um, and so it, it just became like super, super off limits. And again, so yeah, so it just reinforced how awkward it was and almost unnatural um, and forbidden. Which is really confusing to a young adolescent who has a boner like every other second, right? Like, <laughs> right, I know. Who, you know, whose sexuality is raging, the hormones right. are going, and, and yet it's, it's just this sacred thing that, you know, you don't really talk much about. Um, it, it really creates this, this weird dynamic in, in, in a young person's mind. Like, okay, how do I make sense of this? Right. Yeah. Essentially every time that I was erected, it, I felt like, like something was wrong with me that I was, you know, that I was, that I thought something impure, which happened. I mean, as an adolescent, they just happen. Um, like I, you know, you can just be sitting there. It just happens. And so it's just a matter of like, oh, I felt like I was doing something wrong. And it's obviously shame inducing, which um, obviously led down to a path of addiction for me. Yeah. One of my, one of my best buddies, um, he felt like he was having too many sexual feelings. He was like 14. And uh, so he asked his dad for a blessing to help him stop, have so many sexual feelings. And so his dad gave him a blessing to stop the sexual feelings. <laughs> you can just see the, like, what are we doing to, right. to kids here? You know? Right. Um, so yeah. Okay. So we're talking about what not to do. Um, maybe, maybe we talk about what to do. Um, well, I think, I think the what not to do sort of leads into, okay. If we, if, if you remember feeling those feelings growing up and it was approached in the way that it was with you, well, what, what would be the other feelings that you would hope your kids will be receiving, you know, as you're, as you're trying to figure out how to step in and when and where to step in with them and, and try to educate them in ways that you maybe didn't receive as you were being raised? What do you hope they walk away with when you have those kinds of discussions with them? And hopefully it's going to be more than one discussion. It's going to be an ongoing thing. What do you, what do you want them to walk away with after you have a discussion like that with them? I want them to like know that it's part of who they are and um, that it's okay to feel sexual and to be sexual um, within, I guess, proper um, settings. Um, but it's okay to, that, that sex is normal. It's natural. It's what we're hardwired to do and, and to express ourselves. Um, and to be able to just talk about it, have it be a normal thing that we can talk about in the household, that it's not uncomfortable. I don't want it to be a secret when my girls 
on their period as if like it's this bad thing that they've got to hide like yeah. let it flow that's what i say like <laughs> just, you know let's talk about it like i'm gonna be right there with them or that's what my plan is you know they may not want me there with them but like <laughs> i want you know i want to be right there with them and let hey it's okay this is normal it's you're not gross you know it's it's part of life and you know my my wife wants to be you know obviously a part of it as well and just i just don't want it to be a secret i want them to be comfortable um to at least talk about it with me and my wife um as they have questions as they feel things and just have it be very normal because it's going to be very uncomfortable for them it's going to be very new right you know, it's so interesting. It's interesting. Our spirituality, um, it's part of who we are, right? We, we, we can say our spirituality is, is good. It's part of who we are. Um, our sexuality is, there's much, there's many more messages than it's just be, be sexual. In fact, it's negative. Right. And the, the reality is, is our sexuality is part of who we are. Our sexuality is, um, an important part of of us being um, spiritual, of us being whole, and it's it's not just part of who we are. Like it is awesome, and it is amazing, and it's really sad that we we just kind of tear it down with fear and shame. We we approach it with fear. We approach it with shame. Sexuality is amazing. It's incredible. It, it leads to some of the deepest, most intense vulnerable connections that we have in our in our lives um so okay so 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 backing up here um how do you how do you make it that comfortable for your girls so that you can uh, they can be open with you they can they can accept who they are they can flow so to speak um it's more than just just your words dan it's uh it, it, it's it's more your example than anything. Um, your ease in your your ease in talking to them about it. Um, your ability to you know when you bring it up, there's not that energy of oh my gosh, this is so awkward. Why do I got to do this? <laughs> you know. Um, right. But but it's there. It, you're natural with it. It's like to to me, um, there is there is something sacred about sex, but. Um, it's, it's with my kids. I try to make it like, it's talking about the weather. I, I'm sexual, you know, the weather's this, like it's part of life. It's, you know, so the energy's it's fairly easy to talk about. Right. Um, so, you know, like my daughter, she said to me, uh, she's 10 years old. She's pretty mature. She said, Hey dad, like, what do you and mom do after I, after we go to bed? <laughs> <laughs> And You're like, like every night, or just yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's some. I, it was funny because I said, I said sometimes we uh, watch TV, sometimes we fight, <laughs> sometimes we have sex. You know, <laughs> and it rolled off my tongue like no problem. And she looked at me like, oh, oh, okay. And I don't think she really knows exactly what that means, but just those subtle subtleties of like, hey, I can talk about this, and you have questions yeah. about it, let's talk. Um, so. So just your own, your own energy and your own awkwardness and just, just being okay yourself to talk about it. I would guess, Dan, and tell me, tell me if I'm wrong, 
your experience um, with your recovery. So you've, you've gone to groups, you've talked about your sexuality, you've talked openly in some of Tyler's groups. I would guess that that, that has helped you um, become more comfortable in talking about sexuality, in talking about awkward things. Um, and, and I would guess that would serve you as you educate your daughters. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think my, I, th I think my fear is that I, I tend to be a little over vulnerable. I have, I have, I have no problem sharing just very, very private stuff because I mean, it's, I, I think it drives connection and they can accept me for who I am or not, but I believe, you know, it's just being authentic. And so one of my fears is just, just saying too much, like at too early of an age for my kids, you uh -huh. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not used, like when I talk to adults, like I just talked to someone the other day and just shared my story and I just go, I just share them the whole thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know that like for adults, they can often, I mean, that, that, that can be uncomfortable for them. And I'm like, how do I, so how do I kind of ease into it? Like, obviously be comfortable when I'm talking about it with my kids and I feel, I feel comfortable what I'm what I guess feels uncomfortable or new to me is just how do I how do I slowly gauge them not just like open the floodgates you know what I mean yeah I um as you I was thinking as you're talking Dan I I heard a story one time a little kid came home from school and he asked his mom hey mom where did I come from and she got all nervous and she sat down and went and got out the diagram and she mapped out like sexual intimacy and how babies were born and everything else. The kid had this confused look on their face and they kind of scratched their head and walked away. As they're walking to the way, they just said, and the mom said, why did you ask that question? And the kid said, well, my friend Jimmy at school said he's from Iowa. And, uh, <laughs> You know, so it's like you, you've got a you've got a valid concern in the sense that, you know, you want to be you want to be age appropriate with your kids, and and one of the best ways to be age appropriate is to be, you know, in the way that you discuss things with your kids is to be just an, anatomically correct with them. You know, you don't need to make pet names for their private parts. You don't have to like shy away from whatever the processes are that are going on for them, as they're growing and maturing. Um, using using those basic terms and teaching them to kids is totally it's totally appropriate for whatever the age is and it's actually kind of funny too because you see a kid who's being educated properly they'll they'll come in and they'll use anatomically correct words around adults and the, the adults will blush and the, right. kid does, the kid doesn't even know that there's anything wrong with it you know right. um, so I think I think at least starting with knowing that it's you're not going to over talk your kids if you teach them the actual specifics of what things are called and what processes are happening, you know. Um. And I would say be, you know, age appropriate. Every kid is so different. Um, right. You know, like my, my five-year-old is way different than when my daughter was five years old. You know, he just like, and so it's more kid appropriate. You, you really gauge where they're at, um, what they can handle. Um, I think we really err to the side of, of non talking about it, like avoidance, and, because we're scared that if, if I educate them too much, what will they do? Um, 
And, and I actually think we need to err to the other, other side more where, okay. and the reason, the reason is, is because in today's day and age, it's exactly what happened to you, Dan. If I avoid, 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 and then, you know, one day I'm going to start talking to my kid about this when they're, when they're ready. Um, then all of a sudden the internet's educating them and I'm trying to do some, some cleanup work as opposed to I've already educated them when they come across the pornography, um, when, when, when they go to junior high and kids are using vulgar vulgarity everywhere, like they're ready for it. They understand, they kind of understand what it is and what people are talking about. And, you know, if I've done some other important parenting work other than just talking about sex, then my kid's not going to go to junior high and start saying all this vulgar stuff because I've talked to them about sex. Um, they're going to have a respect for it, and but they're also going to be educated and, and know what it is. Um, yeah. So, I had a cool story with that, Brandon. Just uh, this just happened not too long ago with one of my daughters. I was at like a, a big event with one of my daughters. It was an overnight kind of camp out type thing. And I was the chaperone, so I'm staying kind of in a tent by myself while the kids are staying in a cabin. And it's about, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And all of a sudden, my daughter's outside the tent. And she's like, hey, Dad, I, I need to talk to you. And I said, oh, geez, what's up? What's going on? You know, and she said, well, some of the kids are talking about some things in there that I don't understand. And I need to, I need to know what it is so that I can understand what's happening. And I said, okay, well, come on in. Tell me what's happening. She said, well, I just need to know. I need to know what a blowjob is, dad. Wow. And, and, and I was like, I was like, I was like, so I, so I, so she came into my tent and we sat and talked for a while and I explained what that was. And she kind of got this look like, Oh, okay. Like, wow. Like, Oh, all right. Like kind of this confused look, but then she's like, all right, thanks dad. I'm good. She went back in and she had a great, a great time with the rest of the kids the rest of the time, you know, to me as a father, like that was so refreshing that she sought me out, asked a question, got an answer and was able to go, oh, that makes sense. Okay, now I know what I'm dealing with here when, when I go back in, so I, I'm, not, I'm not uneducated. You yeah. know, like that is so refreshing. But the only way that that happens is if, is if from the time you're three-year-olds, you're three-year-old, there's already an investment. There's, there has to be this ongoing sort of investment so that when the windows do open up they fall into you instead of falling into something else and that just takes it's 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 not as convenient but it's way more effective to have that kind of constant open door and i would i would say for, for for you know in our situation we've actually even kind of had to initiate it a lot with our kids as they're younger going to their bedroom when you're tucking them in bed at night or whatever and say hey guys you you hear anything at school that you're confused about or you don't understand or do you, you ever run into anything on the computer that makes you have questions or makes you have certain feelings in your body? And, you know, and, and oftentimes they go, Oh yeah, what is this? Or what, what is that? And if it's normal and they're not going to get punished for it, then they just learn to speak the language. And by the time they're teenagers, it's far less awkward for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if there's much more damaging than, and I've heard the story of a kid gets caught with pornography or gets caught masturbating and they get really punished by their parents. Um, it just, it one, it drives home the shame and it actually um, creates acting out in a deviant way sexually. 
um, as opposed to, and this is how I'm relating it back to what you were saying, Tyler, as opposed to being able to be taught and um, educated by a parent who, who loves them. And, you know, I, I compare sex to fire. fire. Without fire, we wouldn't be alive. Fire is wonderful. It keeps us warm. It's, it's so important for us. And um, you want to embrace it. And if you, you also need to put some boundaries around it or else it's going to burn down everything. And, and cause destruction. And so, um, uh, you know, my kid, I don't want him out trying to start a fire with gasoline if I've never, like, talked to him about how to build a fire and what it is. And, and so I want to accept it, it and respect it. And, and here's the thing. Your kids, our, all of our kids, um, will want to build that fire. Every single one of them is sexual, very, very sexual. And so they'll want to build that fire. And so it's our job as parents to teach them how to do that and teach them how to, how to create the boundaries around it so that they can really enjoy everything that it brings to them, right? And, and so it takes some real openness and, and real connection with your kids to do that. I love that story, Tyler, by the way. That shows some really good safety in parenting. So, um, Dan. Is that helpful, Dan? I'm sorry, say that again? Is that helpful? Yes, it's helpful. Um, I believe that's, I mean, the route that we have been trying to go is like, hey, we can talk about hard things in our lives. Like, we're going to have an open, communicative relationship, treating my kids as equals. You know, when I mess up, like, hey, I messed up. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. You know, you messed up. You're sorry. You made a mistake. It's okay. You know, we make mistakes or we have these feelings or we get angry, we get frustrated. Uh, we get sad and just ha having those conversations. And now it's, I think it's starting to turn into, and then we have questions about our bodies and we get sexual and, you know, and I just want to incorporate it into the same way that we are already trying to parent them. Um, and uh, just making sure that's, I guess, fine to do and how to do that. And so that's, that's very helpful in providing some good information. I want my kids to feel free to ask me. Um, and be comfortable enough just because it's been talked about. And I think, I think that, I think there's probably a lot of responsibility on me to initiate that conversation um, in just a comfortable, uh, normal setting. Um, yes. And it's not just going to naturally come up. And by the time that it comes up, I think it's too late to probably bring up, um, yeah. meaning they're, I should have been talking about this when, when they were younger. So I've just got to, you know, like, you know, when we give them baths and stuff like that, that's like a great opportunity because we're obviously washing their bodies and stuff, but um, looking for those opportunities outside of that. My, my, my daughter, when she was five, it, 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 right at this really quiet time during church and we were back in the back and kind of in the basketball court area where it echoes. And she's, she, she says, she yells out, Hey dad, you have a penis. <laughs> <laughs> you're like that's right that's yeah, right that's <laughs> right you know i'm mean, like thanks for announcing that to, to everybody um but, <laughs> you know i uh yeah i i think one more thing i want to add is um you know modeling it to your kids so like obviously there's boundaries when it comes to you and your wife and and what your kids see and and those type of things but um, 
I do, I am sexual in front of my kids. And I know that might sound a little weird, but hang on here. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll kiss my, I'll kiss my wife. I'll flirt with my wife. Um, I'll, I'll cuddle her and, and hug her. Um, and, and I'll be affectionate in front of them and on purpose. And it's funny cause some of my kids will try to wedge themselves between us sometimes. Right. Right. When, when we're being affectionate, but um, really what I'm trying to do one, I usually do it just because I want to flirt with my wife and be affectionate with her. But I also am aware that I'm, I'm, I'm modeling to them that, Hey, I'm connected to your mother and I'm connected to her intimately. I'm connected to her sexually. And, um, and that's okay. And, and that's, that, that's who we are as a couple. Um, so I, I, you know, there's boundaries there, obviously right. there's clear right. boundaries but I don't avoid that. I, I know a lot of couples won't kiss in front of their kids that they'll, you know, they won't be too, you know, too affectionate. And so that's another thing that I would say is, is try to be comfortable um, being connected to your wife. So, yeah. Um, that's okay. some good insight, Brandon. And uh, Dan, I, I just say, before we move on to your next question, I just want to say, it sounds like your kids are in good hands. You know, they're, they don't even know how lucky they are because you're probably more of the exception than the rule if that's the approach you're taking right now. So um, you're, you're doing a good job, it sounds like. Yeah, so, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, why don't we move on and shift gears a little bit to your, your second question today, Dan? You want to just yeah. kind of add up? Yes. So as a recovered addict, I'm just looking for what are ways that I can give back to either the community or help others who are going through recovery themselves um, outside of the obvious path of becoming a therapist or like mentoring alongside a therapist. Um, I don't, you know, I don't want it to be my profession. I want it to be um, that I do outside of my work and just purely from a, I want to give back in a non-compensatory way. So other, you know, obviously I feel like this is an effort. And so this is you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to come on and kind of share my story a little bit and just, and, and be open and honest. Um, you know, I've come up, you know, and been part of your groups a few times up in Logan. And to be honest, if I lived up there, I would, you know, I'd be, I'd be doing that a lot more. I'd be hounding you to do that. You'd be like, I can't get, get this guy away. Um, but if, uh, and, and down here, I, I haven't found the same opportunities. I've reached out on a couple and haven't had the same success. And so I just want to, like, this is a passion of mine, right? Um, Dan, Dan, I got a group for you to speak at in a couple of weeks. So get ready. It's an online great. group. Yeah. yeah, that would be great. That's exactly what I'm looking for. There's like 60 people in it. So get ready. That's, I, it's fine. I'm fine <laughs> with however many. Um, that would be great. Tyler, do you want to take this? Yeah, no, Dan, I think it's, uh, you're, what, what, you're, what you're basically getting at is, is that step 12 of the 12 step where it's like, how do, I, right. how do I now turn around and help the next person in line in essence? And yeah, the obvious way is to continue to go to a 12 step meeting, go become a sponsor, or you know, you've, you've been a mentor in my groups, you've come and guest spoken at some of my foundations groups, and you always do like an awesome job. And there's, you're definitely, there's some value that you can do there. I do think that we're doing what you're doing right now is another way. Like this is a, you're handling it really well, but this is a very vulnerable place to be putting yourself out there, sharing some of the things that you're willing to share. And the, the truth is, is that 
the fact that you're willing to do this is going to have an impact on people that you'll never even know. And so being involved in things like this, you know, I was going to say, besides just coming on this show, you could be putting yourself into the arena where there's other platforms like our platform that are always looking for people who are willing to come and share themselves. Like the platform itself is looking for vulnerability. And because, because there's so much hope in seeing someone who's been through what you've been through. And we, we probably ought to have you back on a different time just to share your own story because it's a pretty phenomenal story. And, uh, and you're kind of sitting on a treasure if you don't find a place to share it. So here's a couple of other thoughts that I, was, I have on that question is you could go and potentially become a speaker at conferences. You know, like where we live here, the Utah Coalition Against Pornography is a yearly conference that is always looking for speakers. And, and you would have, you would have an, a unique angle to come and present based off of what your story is and any of the principles that you've learned that are working for you. So speaking opportunities, whether that's as small as something at your own church or, you know, going to a conference would be another way to be involved. Um, providing some mentorship online or joining an online forum or group, you know, like we have a, we have a Facebook group for men who are overcoming sexual addictions that are, you know, people come on and ask questions and it would be, it's always welcome to have people who are further along on the path to, to give some feedback. And you could join forums like that and become some type of a moderator or at least a participant in being able to give back and develop some relationships in an ongoing way with some of those other men. So uh, those are just a few of the ideas that I have. Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to kind of take the other angle on it. So I think Tyler's talking about kind of getting out there, um, having your face be seen, um, getting involved in, in platforms and things like that. Um, Brenny Brown, she talks about how sometimes we get a little too caught up in the extraordinary, right? Like we, like it, we, we want to feel valid. We want to feel important. So the way that we help is we get our voice out there and, and that's all good. That's all good stuff. Um, but I think a lot of the, the work in a 12 step is about the ordinary and it's, it's just about um, the little subtleties, uh, the, the way that you show up when you go to church and your willingness to challenge things and speak truth and the way you open up to your friends and, and then friends feel comfortable with you and say, Hey, Hey Dan, like, I'm struggling and, and nobody knows that. And, um, you're the, you're the safest guy I know to actually tell, you know, um, and, and, and it's more about the way that you hold yourself, um, because of what you've been through that people will gravitate toward you, um, for, to, to, to open up and, and to find healing. And so, um, the other, the other way, um, that I think is so, so critical and i don't know if we think about this like working a 12 step but it has it has everything to do with your first question um be a good father and raise good kids uh, what what better way to give back than that right right um raise daughters who will raise their kids to be healthy sexually and break the pattern that that was given to you you're you're a you're a pattern breaker and so you are giving back by just working your recovery. So there's some of my answers to that question. Um, I can tell Dan, not just because you're here on our podcast, but that you do, do live your life that way and you're giving back in a lot of ways already. So 
I appreciate one more, that. Go ahead. Just one, one, one more thought to go along with that, Brandon. I, I do think you're spot on. And I think with Brene Brown, what she says is that sometimes the, the small, you know, day-to-day -day things are just as vital as the big, massive thing. And so you, you do make a good point there. Um, I was just thinking too, Dan, that you might be able to take, you might be able to broaden where you go just based off of the principles that you're living without it necessarily having to be in this specific realm of say addiction recovery from sexual addiction you, you can go and i mean you can you can go and take the principles of accountability and humility and vulnerability and the things that you're trying to live as a way of life and you can go and you can share those principles in a broader way as well I mean, whether that's in individual relationships or in other places where there are groups of people uh, you, you basically the work that you have done so far has tooled you up with the equivalent of a master's degree in wholehearted living and uh and you can take those principles and you can go and feed those principles into the lives of other people whether that's in a one-on-one -on -one setting or in a in some type of a group setting or a class the world is craving it mm -hmm. like they are they they the world just craves vulnerability and authenticity, right? So, right. I, I appreciate that. I think those are some good suggestions on both fronts. So, some good information, um, Brandon. I would I would say that you know I I feel like I've you know I that is like you know the way that I live and the way that I talk with people and I've you know I've I've had people share with me their stories and just one you know a week with. Uh, almost a week ago, we said, I've never told anyone. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm not saying this to kind of toot my own horn by any means. I'm saying this because it's like, I feel like I'm doing that. And I love that. Mm -hmm. And I want more of that. Like, this is like, like, you know, for a long time, it was hard to, to find like, what am I passionate about? And um, things I care about. And, uh, and, and I don't know, maybe it's just how difficult and how challenging the experience was of, of overcoming the addiction and uh, going through therapy and living an authentic life because I was so far from living an authentic life that it's just made me like, I just, I obviously have some really strong emotions about it. And uh, it means, it means a lot to me. So I want to, so I feel that and I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to feel that more and I want to help others with that because that's like it's what I'm passionate about and so mm -hmm. I appreciate um the suggestions you know on your end and on Tyler's um I think uh there's some good things there that I can implement and uh yeah I'm actually pretty excited about yeah and I uh I just want to come back to what Tyler said earlier and and invite you back sometime probably sometime soon to just talk more openly about your story of recovery um, that I think, you know, I've, I've run, I don't know how many groups and, you know, last night I ran this group and I was, I was giving them all this information about betrayal trauma and the science of this and that there's nothing more powerful than a real life example of recovery. Um, I can, I can give them all these tools and, but when, when, a, when a person comes on and says, this is my experience and this is what I've been through it, it, especially in early recovery, it instills hope like nothing else. And so I would love to have you back on and just talk a, a little more specifically, a little more openly about your journey of recovery. 
if if you would sometime. I would love to. I'd, awesome. I'd barely make it through because I'd probably be crying the whole way. <laughs> I'm on the verge of tears right now just talking about what I, you know, what I'm passionate about. So, um, but yeah, I would absolutely love to do that. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, well, Dan, we'll be in touch. We'll be in touch with you then, Dan, probably sometime like Brennan said in the next few weeks or so, if you have some availability, I think it could be pretty powerful for people to hear this, your story and hear the principles you're trying to live. And just, Dan, want to say thank you for your time today. Appreciate your questions. Hopefully you've received some help. I know that your questions are questions that other people are asking and that they want answers to. So number one, you're not alone. Number two, thanks for sharing them because this information will reach other people. Dan, so. Dan, you're the man. Thank you. I've never met you, but I was happy to meet you today. And, um, you know, you guys, if you found this useful and, um, it gave you some, some help with talking to your kids about sex and understanding recovery better than please share this episode. Um, and again, please rate and review it. So thank you. And we'll see you guys. Have a good week. Thanks. Ben.